Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. Before we get started this morning, I want to ask Sandy Shelton if she would come up front. We want to honor her this morning. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Hallelujah. She comes. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like you have a fan club, Sandy. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Many of you uh, know Sandy. She's been around our church. I think you've been here like about 17 years, hasn't 21. 21. Wow. <laughs> 21 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I think for a large portion of that 21 years, you've been uh, helping us to clean the church and been faithful in that. And, and Sandy came to me uh, last year and she says, well, she says, it's time to retire. Amen. And at 29 years old, I'm not sure why you're retiring. <laughs> but uh, uh, she came and, and so uh, her and Rudy have been working and laboring together and partnering with people. And, and we just we just want to tell you how much we appreciate everything that you did and, and everything that you'll continue to do because I know you're still, this doesn't still mean involved. you're yeah. you're still involved, it's not like you're, you're, you're leaving, but, uh, but uh, we love you and we appreciate you and we just want to give you this and we just Thank want you. to uh, share our appreciation with you and, and tell you how much we love you. Amen. Well, it's, it's, it's been my privilege. Amen. Amen. I've had lots of help. Amen. Would you do something with me? Would you stretch your hands towards Sandy real quick? Father, right now in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you so much for Sandy. We thank you for Rudy. And Father, we pray right now your blessing upon them. Father, as they move into this next chapter of their life, Father, we pray that you would lead them, that you would guide them, that your favor would go with them, Father. Lord, that you, God, would just bless all that they do, all that they put their hand to. And Lord, we thank you so much for their uh, gracious gift of their lives in our lives. And Father, we thank you and we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise you. God. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Well, this morning we want to uh, continue on with the, uh, the, the series that we began uh, last week um, entitled Rooted. Um, we're going to continue on with that. And, you know, I want to share with you, um, oftentimes I tell you that when I minister a message, um, it's, it's really important. I, I can assure you today, and I hope that you understand this, and, and I put this out, that when I, when I, I take this role, this job of preaching, uh, very serious, and, and I understand that my my role and my position of spokesman of, of of sharing and teaching the word of god is a sacred duty it's also a place of of great importance that uh, because what we're doing is is we are uh, giving you and sharing with you the message <coughs> from the very throne room of god and i believe this is a message today and this is a this thought uh, that we're on right now is really from God. I shared with you last week how the Lord uh, laid upon my heart 
months ago in 2019 what this year was going to be about and, and came up with the uh, theme rooted and what God is is uh, uh, trying to communicate to his church. And I know that he's communicating this to the church at large, but specifically today, I can't answer for any other church. I can only answer for this one. And so I know that God is speaking to this congregation specifically. And so with that in mind, I want you to listen to uh, the text that we've chosen, two passages of scripture that I want to share with you. And I want you to pay attention to these. These are very familiar passages of scripture, but within them, they contain some wisdom and they also contain a promise that if we will capture it and get a hold of it in our life, it will change us forever. So Psalms chapter one, starting in verse one, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now think about that for a moment. Think about what the Lord has said. Think about the guarantee. Amen. You know, oftentimes we look for something that is a sure thing, don't we? We want guarantees. If you go and buy a car, you want a warranty. You want a guarantee that that car is going to last. If you buy electronics or you go to the, you know, whatever it is that you buy, you buy a house, you want a guarantee that that house is going to stand and to weather the storm. God tells us in this verse, whatever, underline whatever, Whatever he does, that means this one that is planted, whatever he does, not talking about God, talking about you, whatever you do shall prosper. Think about that for a moment. This is God's 100% guarantee. When we are planted by the rivers of water, when we are rooted, the Bible says that we will bring forth fruit in its season. We will not wither and whatever we do. So where are we rooted? We're rooted in the word of God, aren't we? He says his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates in it day and night. All day, all night, every day, it's a part of us. It's, a, it's, it's our necessary food. Can you say amen? And that brings about something, a guarantee that whatever you do will prosper. It will become what it's supposed to be. Then there's a sister verse to this, a corresponding verse of scripture to this found in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Once again, here's this idea of planting, being planted by the river. The river, you know, it talks about, the Bible talks about a river that flows from our innermost being, about the, the Holy Spirit that flows out of us being planted by that river. He says, you know what, you won't be anxious. 
You know, this planting overcomes anxiety and worry and fear. And there's something very powerful, he says, because even when there's a drought, you won't know it. You won't know that there's a drought. You will still bear fruit. You will still yield. Your leaf will not wither. It will be green. There's something about that. It's talking about this provision. This is the promise that you and I have as Christians, but there is a, a, a condition, if I could put that on there, and that condition is we have to be rooted. Can you say amen? So we begin this series in line with our theme called Rooted, and what we said last year, or, or last, last week, we said that this year is going to be a year of growth. <clears throat> a year of growth both individually and corporately. And, and growth can come many different ways, can it? It can come numerically, it can come physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We're going to grow, we're going to become, we're going to expand. Can you say amen? Now that means some important things that we must get a hold of. First is growth always means change. Change does not always mean growth, but growth always means change. That means that in this process of growing, of becoming rooted, some things must change. Yeah. Amen. You know, I was thinking about change, and I was thinking about, because the older I get, the more resistant I become to change. I'll just be honest with you. I'm kind of getting to the age where I like things the way they are. It's like, I don't see any point in changing. Why change it? What's the point? And we must not, we must not allow ourselves to get to that place. Because I was thinking about this. You know, if change, think, how many remember traveling around the country in the 1970s? Now, I know some of you in this place, you weren't born. But in the 1970s, even into the 1980s, if you were traveling around the country, you would see motels with signs that said this, color TV. As if that was... Like a feature, we, hey, we are a hot rod hotel because we have color TV. Can you imagine now if a hotel put up a sign that says, hey, everybody, we got a color TV. It's like, why even a TV? How about not color iPads? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? And so somewhere, if, if we don't change, we'd be stuck with black and white TV. Or Harry was talking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Harry a little bit. Wednesday he was talking about the great big radio box. See, that, that, that's before my day, that's Harry's day, when we all gathered around the radio. How many know what I'm talking about? Thank God for change. Can you say amen? amen. Thank God that we progressed a little bit, that somebody had a little forethought and changed. We grew, we became, we, we expanded. Can you say amen? amen. Well, so it is with the church. We have to grow. We have to, we have to stay relevant and move forward. There's got to be this growth within us. And as individuals, that means that we face life and we, we deal with life differently. We deal with life like Jesus dealt with life. Can you say amen? This also means that growth may get a little uncomfortable. That, you know, it's unco growth is uncomfortable. It's not always pleasant. How, remember, how many remember the statement, growing pains? The reason we said it is because sometimes growing is painful. We don't like it. We, it's, it's, a, it's a little off-putting. 
But if we'll endure the pain, if we'll endure the uncomfortableness of that moment, the peaceable fruit of righteousness is worth it. Can you say amen? Also, we have to understand that growth is not automatic. Now, I know in some situations in life it is, but in ours, how many know that weeds grow automatically? Things that you want, don't. There, has, anyone, has anyone ever woke up <clears throat> one day and went out in your backyard and found a perfectly formed garden just because? No, all of us have woke up and found our backyard full of weeds. But we didn't find tomato plants and corn and green beans and bell peppers and all that stuff, not unless there was something intentional, that a decision was made and there was some discipline to cultivate what we want. Can you say amen? Growth always means that we are deeply and securely rooted in good soil. Good soil produces good crops. Can you say amen? Amen. Now listen to me, here's the crux of all of this. If you get anything, if you're taking notes and the only thing you write down, make sure you write this down. Without growth, we will never become what God wants for us. We never will. We never will. It's a process of growth. He says things like this, line upon line, precept upon precept. He says, from glory to glory to glory. We're growing, we're becoming. Can you say amen? Now, David was a man who developed a deep root system that took two decades of process and preparation to produce. I want you to think about that for a moment. David was a man that had a deep root system that produced fruit that we still talk about today. The Bible says that Jesus was the son of David. That's, that's some pretty impressive fruit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where did that come from? It came from a root system that David developed in partnership with God over decades. And the main thing that David was rooted in was a deep trust in him, in God. Now, for God to establish this abiding trust, this soil of trust in David's life, he had to prepare him in three different soils. And I want you to think about this for a moment. We're going to talk about this more later, but I I, I want you to listen. The first soil that David was developed in was the soil of intimacy, relationship with God. David had an intimate relationship with God. That's the first thing that you notice when you study David. When you study the Psalms, you'll figure out quickly that David was a man that loved God. He talked with him. He fellowshiped with him. He was intimate with him. The second soil that David grew in was the soil of serving. David learned how to serve. He learned how to serve in obscurity. He learned how to serve when it wasn't always convenient to serve. Can you say amen? Amen. And then the third soil that David was developed in was the soil of community. David learned to function within community. He understood that he was not a lone ranger. He needed the body. He needed people. He understood that he was planted in a body. 
that the men and women that surrounded him were his community, community that he was developing in. And each of these soils provided a different but equally necessary ingredient to the development and the strength of David's trust in God, his root system. And because David trusted God, God could trust David with a nation. This is, this, look at church, I, I, I know that sometimes we get to this place where we, 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 we begin to believe about ourselves that we're unimportant. And I can tell you that, that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Your life is extremely important. Amen. See, God does not measure success like the world measures success. God looks at you and he's called you to something specific. God has called you to participate. God has called you to be a part, to become. And he wants you to become that. He, he wants you to fulfill that. And, and, and he wants you to grow in that so he can place that into your hands. He wants to trust you with this. Can you say amen? And if David needed to be planted in these three soils, then so do you and I. After 20 years of being planted in these soils, David had a root system that was ready to sustain the weight of God's calling on his life. We're talking about growth, aren't we? We're talking about the dimensions of spiritual growth and maturity. If there's anything lacking, and like I said, we're going to develop this thought as we go. If there's anything lacking in the church, it's that we are lacking growth. We're lacking maturity. This isn't something new. Paul dealt with it even way back in the first century. He says he's talking to different churches and oftentimes he commented on their lack of growth. He says, you folks need to be, you should be teachers, but you still need to be taught. Come on now. He's saying, you guys should be stepping up, but uh, you're, you, you should be eating meat, but you still have to have milk. You should be growing. In fact, one verse of scripture, it says, come on, it's time to grow up. Come on now. We need to understand there is a process to this growth and it takes time. And if you choose to embrace God's process and timeline for building your root system, I believe it's possible not only to survive, but to thrive in the midst of it. And by thriving, I mean growing in wisdom, in character, in faith, in endurance, and in strength, and much, much more. Growing isn't always comfortable, but it is always exhilarating and rewarding. God wants us to have more. Can you say amen? The kingdom of God is a kingdom of more. The Apostle Paul is an example of someone who thrived and grew through every circumstance. We know what he said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's, it's one of our favorite verses. We often quote it. It's on bookmarks. It's on, it's, a, it's on T-shirts. It's on bumper stickers. And we love that verse, but oftentimes we forget what it took to get there because the previous two verses say this. He says, now, not 
not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, the context is, he said, I grew to that point. I came to a point where in times I had nothing and in times I had everything and I was not moved by my circumstances, but I grew and I developed and I had the ability to thrive in whatever season I found myself in. And in other words, I was not moved by the external. I was only moved by what was going on in my relationship with him. This is the problem, church. I I see this on a daily basis. I see it in my own life how many times I get moved or I get stunted or I get stymied because of some external factor. God says, I want you to grow beyond that. I want you to be able to have a relationship that is so deep and abiding in me that it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. Can you say amen? Amen. Paul learned that the grace of God was sufficient for him. And that's, you know, that's a wonderful thing. That's a great statement. Grace of God, it's sufficient for me. And we love preaching it. We love preaching on grace. I love preaching on grace. We love hearing sermons on grace. We love things on faith and all of that until faith is required. I love studying faith. You know, faith is, you know, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's great faith. God formed the world by the word of faith and all of this stuff. We love that until we're confronted with a circumstance where we need faith, we need trust. Amen. Amen. We talked, we, we, we talked about several weeks ago about the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that having all sufficiency in all things, you may have abundance in every good work. We love that. We love the fact that God's grace until we need his grace. And it's like, God, what's going on? Oh, I can't take it no more. This is just too much. And if you don't think people say it, we need to get the tape recorder out. <laughs> I've been around too long. I'll tell you what, we won't even talk about you. Let me just talk about me. We need to listen to the tape. And see, somewhere we love this stuff, but God says, look it, I don't want it to be a bumper sticker. I don't want it to be a bookmark. I don't want you to just wear your T-shirt. You know, there's a new thing out right now. It's a, I see it all the time, and some people have sent it to me and different things. It's, it's, a t- it's on T-shirts, it's on cups, it's on mugs. It says, pastor, you know, demon stomping, devil killing, whatever, you know, think man of God, all that. And you know what? I'm afraid to get it. You say, why? Because I'm not sure I can live up to it yet. No, 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 I'm just being honest. Let me tell you something. Hey, it's, we got to grow into that stuff. I'm just seeing if you're out there. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to talk that way. It's one thing to have it on your cup. It's a whole nother thing to go toe-to-toe with a demon. 
It's a whole, and I'm not talking about like, you know, having some guy come in and he's possessed and he's frothing them out. I'm talking about just the demon of torment. I'm just talking about the little imp that lies to you. I'm talking about the little guy that just wants to throw out a temptation. I'm not talking about the major confrontation. I'm talking about the little skirmish every day. When you want to get mad and, be, uh, and hold aught and bitterness and the devil says, you know what, you just get even. That's what you need. Jesus says, pray for your enemy. Love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Well, I don't know about that, Jesus. <laughs> he said, I know that grace is sufficient for me. And that knowledge came as a result of developing a root system of trust. See, when you read the book of Psalms, you'll find David spoke about all kinds of circumstances. I love David. I love reading the book of Psalms. And the reason why is because David's so honest. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta appreciate the honesty. You know, David, he talked about everything that was from exciting to terrifying. You know, David was just honest with his feelings. You know, if, you, if he got mad at you, he'd pray your mother would be childless. You know, he, that, that was just kind of how he was. You know, he, he, would, he, he was almost, it almost seemed like he was a little bit schizophrenic because he would start a psalm out and he'd be really, really happy and then he'd finish and he'd be bummed out or he'd start out bummed out and end up really, really happy. And I, and I appreciate that because that's more like life than anything else. And sometimes we struggle, and David was a guy that struggled, and he wrestled with impossibilities, and he wrestled with fear. He wrestled with heartbreak and disappointment and betrayal and anger and grief. But every time, the wrestling drove him back to the source of his strength, and that was God. That's why the Bible said he was a man after God's heart. Is because every time he encountered a conflict, he would move back to God. And every time David accessed that strength, whether he was in the field of battle or he was in a house or a cave or a castle, it led to his thriving and it came from his roots that were deeply planted in a thing called trust. Amen. See, for you and I to navigate the trials of this life and find God and his strength for every situation so that we too can develop a root system of trust and grow in God. We have to know where to look and how to overcome the enemy's distractions. How many understand the enemy doesn't want this to happen? Let me assure you, he does not want you to succeed in developing a deep root system. He doesn't. Because without it, we're easy prey. See, without the roots that God wants to develop, he can take us out like that. We're ineffective. We don't pose any, any, any trouble for him. But with those roots, nothing can stop us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Let me assure you this morning, the enemy has a plan to distract and to undermine your growth. Yes. Now, typically this morning, these distractions are going to try to get us to do some things. And I want you to listen to this because this is kind of, I, I, this, is, this is a very real and honest sermon today. Okay, this is, I'm trying to get where we live, okay? 
You know, I can give you a bunch of theology and, you know, all of that, and that's great and wonderful, and we love theology, but somewhere, like I've always told you, we have got to be able to identify ourselves and then go from that place into the place that God wants us. And the devil will show up with distractions, and what he will do is he'll try to get you to wish you were, you were in someone else's process. Let me tell you, he, he will do that. He'll try to get you to focus on someone else's process. He wants you to do that. He don't want you to pay attention to your process. He wants you to pay attention to Brother Tom or Brother Joe or Brother Sam or Sister Sue. I want, and, and we all look at that and we go, oh, that, see, if I had that process, I'd be okay. If I had this wife, I, if I had that church, if I had that husband, if I had this, I had that. <laughs> The next thing he tries to do is he tries to get you to resist the lessons God's trying to teach us in our circumstances. Let me tell you something. God is teaching all the time. God wastes nothing. Amen. God is not the author of everything. But God wastes nothing. Just because God uses something to teach us a lesson doesn't mean he created the circumstance that got us there. He simply is committed to our growth to where he will use what's going on in our life. But oftentimes the devil, through our distractions, through those distractions, will get us to try to resist the lesson that God's trying to teach us. And if he can't do that, then he gets us to rush the process. Are you hearing what I'm saying? and to skip steps in the process, to rush and to push past. Falling for any of these will prevent us from thriving and will ultimately put us in a dangerous place. But avoiding these, knowing this, knowing that these exist, they will help us to find our strength, to find God and grow regardless of the season or of the circumstances we're going through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, as we go on, I, I, I want to take just a little bit of time and develop this a little bit further. Because the first key to thriving and building your root system is to focus on building the wall in front of you. I want you to listen to this. It's to build the wall in front of you. Some of the most powerful lessons God wants us to teach are the simplest. They are also the easiest to overlook. See, we see this strategy when Nehemiah laid out the workers who were to build the walls of Jerusalem. You remember the story. Nehemiah had a powerful encounter with God after hearing the report of, of the walls that had fallen in, in Jerusalem, that they were still, the temple had been built, but they were still vulnerable. The walls were still down. They were still in rubble. And when he arrived in Jerusalem, he scouted out the walls and he saw how bad, he, he determined how bad things really were and what needed to be done. Then he called the priests and the people together and he began to delegate work. And in Nehemiah 3, it lists three specific individuals or groups to work on the wall and the exact part of the wall they were assigned to build. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. And it's interesting that for the most part, the people that were assigned to work on the wall were assigned to work on the wall that was closest to their home. 
Now, I want you to listen to this passage. Now, there's some names here that I'm going to struggle with, but you, you be patient. Nehemiah 3, 28 through 30, it says, Beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own home. After then, then them, Zadok, the son of Immer, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, the and Hunan, the sixth son of Zaleph, repaired another section. And after him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. Are you catching what's happening here? Nehemiah said, walk out in front of your door and look directly in front of you and the wall that's directly in front of you, build that. It's a simple strategy, isn't it? There's a powerful picture that God is trying to work in our lives and sometimes we miss what he is doing right in front of us because oftentimes we're looking longingly at other people's portion of the wall waiting to build those areas. We get distracted watching other people in other assignments, other seasons of life. And then all of a sudden the mindset, the grass is greener on the other side. This happens all the time in Christianity, church. How many know that God has placed you in the body as it pleases him? But yet all the time where we, you know, there is a, how many know about the roving church? It's about people that go from place to 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 place. Why? Because they're looking for the best deal. They get into a church, they get tired of the newness. How many know that there's, you know, it's the, the, the uh, uh, what is that called? The, the buyer's uh, regret or what? Buyer's remorse. You buy a brand new car. When you're, when you're in the showroom, that car is like, I got to have this. Amen. You smell it, that new car smell, it's just on you. You're like, whoa, and you get it. By about a week, the first payment comes in, and you're like, well, I want his car. His car is $300 cheaper than my car. And, what, and, and it's constant. We, we do this, and we're looking. It's grass is greener on there. We do it with, we do it in marriage. In our society today, what happens is we think, well, you know what? This one's bad. I'll get me a new one. And the problem is you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> is this a little too tough? Someone, what we got to do is go, wait a second. The grass ain't greener on the other side. And if it is, it's only because they're watering it more. Amen. And sometimes we miss what God's doing right in front of us. We miss it. We get distracted. We can't see that God's using what's right in front of us to develop our root system so that we so desperately need. And the need for significance makes us look in other areas and, 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 and to feel more, exci- that feel more exciting, more in line with our vision. It's like, I, you know, sometimes we don't understand what God's doing. How many know God's thoughts are higher than ours? His ways are higher than ours. We don't always understand it's true. We'll never thrive in the process unless we accept the place where God has put us. 
because that's the only place that he's gonna work with us. I wonder if people understood that when you transplant, continue to transplant, you'll never bear fruit. Your roots will never grow. That's why we have to stay put. Say, you know what, God, I'm gonna do what's right in front of me. How many know you have your race, I have mine? It's not that yours is better, mine's worse, mine better, yours worse. It's mine and yours. We gotta face what is in front of us. See, faithfulness and obedience, they call us to recognize what God is asking to put in, what God is asking to put into our hands so that he can emphasize that in our life. Are you hearing me? Faithfulness to build the wall in front of you is not giving up your dream. It's trusting God with your dream. And that develops a deep root system. Listen to what I'm saying. It's amazing how many believers disqualify themselves and stunt their growth because they just don't do what's in front of them. See, the enemy's trying to get you off the assignment. He wants to distract you with something that God (coughs) is not emphasizing in your life. Nehemiah's strategy was, go build the wall in front of you. Get that done. That's your responsibility. It's a good strategy for today. Can you say amen? What's in front of you? What has God placed in front of you? This leads us to the second key to God's root building process. And that's to pay attention and accept what God is teaching you in your current circumstances. So many people get stuck in their process and fail to thrive because they constantly want to be somewhere else. I remember as a young man, I remember this, I I really believe this is a part of of growing up. There was a time in my life when I was never happy where I was at. I always wanted to be somewhere else. It didn't matter where I was at. I could say, I want to be here and then go there, and then I wanted to be somewhere else. And that's a lot like Christians today. They just want to be somewhere else. They, they want to do something else. And the Lord, what he wants us to do is he wants to develop the, our, the root system in our lives where we're at. So many of us insist that he does it in the midst of our passion. But it just doesn't work like that. Now there's no doubt that God's given you a passion. There's no doubt that God's done a lot of great things in your life and there is a calling and you may know that calling but you need to understand that there'll be circumstances where you'll be involved in things that will not appear that it relates to anything that's close to your passion. He said, what's all this about? You're learning something. It's, it really is the story of the karate kid. The karate kid wanted to learn karate. He wanted to be able to defend himself. He got tired of being beat up. So he goes to the master, and the master had him wax his car, sand his deck. And after a lot of hours of waxing and sanding, the karate kid was really disillusioned. He's like, you haven't taught me anything. I've just been doing your chores around your house. But then he said, he goes, show me, wax on. And he throws a punch, and he was able to block him, wax off. And then all of a sudden he had an ability he did not know that he had because he was doing something that he thought was completely unrelated to his goal. And church, that's Christianity. 
If it's not accepting what God is doing, then sometimes what we wanna do is rush our growth. What we wanna do is take shortcuts. I remember years and years ago, Howard Pennington, he would say to me, he goes, John, there is no shortcut at the leadership table of Christ. The only thing that we ever accomplish is that we get out sync with God. Yep. I remember years ago, uh, how many remember Gomer Pyle, yeah. USMC, you know? Gomer Pyle was a great guy, he loved him. <laughs> Gomer had it going, he had a great attitude, smiled about everything. Sergeant Carter would yell at him, and Gomer would just big, have this big grin on his face. Well, one time they were all marching and they were, you know, the, the, the unit, the, the, the platoon is marching and, you know, Gomer, he's being Gomer. And Sergeant Carter's just yelling out orders and Gomer's, you know, tripping and, he, you know, it's, it's like he's got two left feet and he's, you know, bumping into people and all that. And finally, Car uh, Sergeant Carter yells out, he goes, you know what, Pyle, if you want to serve your country, you need to be in step with your country. <laughs> Ah, it's wisdom right there, buddy. You want to serve God? You need to be in step with God. Amen. The problem is, is we oftentimes, because we want to rush or get out of sync, or we, or we want to cut shortcuts, we get out of sync with God. David twice had the opportunity to take a shortcut. How many remember that Saul had kind of blown it? God says, I repent myself of even making him king. Then he goes and he anoints David as king. Saul is still on the throne. Now this doesn't make sense. If you want Saul out of the way, get him out of the way and put Saul, uh, David up there. But David wasn't ready yet. But twice, David comes into a place where there is Saul asleep. And David could have taken him out. He could have taken a shortcut. He could have got Saul out of the way and ascended to the throne Twice, and he even had the support of his men. Because I'm gonna tell you what, people will support your shortcut. They will even tell you it's God. They'll say, hey, look, man, God put him in a deep sleep, kill him. Kill him, all his guards, they're in a deep sleep. Kill him, this is your opportunity. How come you can't see that God wants this? And God's like, I, this is a test. You're going to shortcut this or are you going to build right? You want to build a big building on a foundation that can hold it up. Don't shortcut the foundation. The problem with foundations, you're always going down, you're never going up. Everything's going in the ground. You don't see anything worth the investment. And David twice could have taken a shortcut, but he doesn't. What does he do? He says, I'm not gonna to touch God's anointed. Amen. When God's ready for me to be on the throne, he'll move Saul. If, David want, if God wants to kill Saul, he'll do it. But I'm gonna wait on the Lord. So much time, we, the reason we rush is because we feel behind. We feel like we're behind. We feel like that, you know what, I should be further along, I should be better, I should know more, I shouldn't be dealing with all these struggles. You know, it's hard. Sometimes at 54 years old, being saved 47 years, I think I should be further along. And God says, no, you're right at the spot that I want you to be. Trust me. 
This is the essence of trust. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lead not to your own understanding. Trust me. I'm developing something in you. It's for a reason. There's a purpose. There's something coming that you need this moment for. If we rush or take shortcuts in our development, all we do is work to destroy it. Are you hearing me? And finally, as we close this morning, the last key to thriving in the process of building a root system is to embrace being hidden. Isaiah 49.2 says this, it says, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hands, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. <clears throat> the problem with modern Christianity, and, and I'm, I don't got a beef with modern Christianity, I love it. I love, you know, I love the music and the lights and the show, and I've gone to conferences and it's fun and, you know, all that stuff. But the problem is, is we've kind of created an atmosphere that we've made Christianity about the show. And so what happens is everybody wants to be up here. And if you don't want to be up here, you at least want to be known. You want to be known for what you're doing. And God says, sometimes you're going to work in obscurity and no one is going to know what you're doing. David lived in a cave. 10 to 14 years, he's anointed king. He's the rightful king before he ever sat on the throne. Joseph, 14 to 16 years in prison before becoming prime minister of Egypt. Moses spent 40 years tending sheep before he could lead a nation. I don't even understand what tending sheep would teach you in leading a nation into deliverance, but that's God. Paul spent several years in the Arabian desert receiving revelation. It's in the hidden place that you become rooted in faithfulness and obedience to God above all else. And I'm going to go on record. I do not like it. It's very easy for me to fall prey to the grass is greener on the other side and think that if I had your job, I'd be better off. But God says, no, you build the wall in front of you. You run your race and let them run theirs. Sometimes I think I would do better in a, in a different church. Yes, I do. And so do you. If I went to this church or that church, you know, they got this and they got that and they got this going on. God said, I didn't call you to that church. I called you to this one. That flies in the face of a lot of Christians. He said, why are you saying it? Because it's necessary, because there's too many people that are uprooting their roots <coughs> and they're not bearing any fruit in the kingdom. They're undermining what God wants to do. I, there's times when I look around and I think, man, if I was there, whew, I'd be the bomb. I don't like accepting the lessons God has for me. I don't like wax on, wax off. Amen. 
But he says, you know what? I'm doing this for a purpose. I'm not oblivious to what I called you to. And I certainly don't like embracing the days of obscurity. You say, have you ever really learned that? Yeah, I have. In 1991, I started a group called Jacob's Ladder. I was asked by Pastor Pennington if I would start that group. He said, I don't even know what this really means, but here's a book, read it, see if it means anything to you. And and I read it, and we started the group, and Jacob's Ladder became fairly quickly a great success. And for 25 years, I labored in in that group. Do you know there's been, there's been two books written about Praise Chapel and the organization, and in those books there's a chapter called Kingman. And it's got the history of this church, and, and it talks about Jacob's Ladder and all the people involved, except John Poole. Not one word about me. Not a word talks about Jacob's Ladder in California. How many times did we make thousands of copies for guys in California? Thousands. Sent information, went and taught. Helped guys build Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> yeah, I even, I was at a conference one time and there was a new book by a guy that we all know. I looked at his book, thumbed through it, found the chapter on Kingman, page through. Almost went home. I told him, I looked at him, pointed my finger in his face, and I said, one day, they're going to write a book about me, and I'm going to leave you out. I was mad. Days of obscurity. You know, sometimes you can feel like in Arizona, you can feel like you're on the backside of the desert. I've been here a long time. So when I preach these things, I know what I'm talking about today. But I also understand that God is doing something significant for a significant moment in time. I don't know what that is. I couldn't even begin to tell you. But I know he's doing something, and I know he's doing it in you. And you can avoid the process. You can, you can look at grass as greener on the other side. You can be mad at the lessons. And you can even be mad at the fact that you don't have prominence and nobody knows who you are. But friend, I'm going to tell you something. They will if you'll submit to it. I'm telling you, your roots will go down, and it'll go down deep inside. And it will allow you to bear fruit and carry a ministry and be able to make impact at a level that no one else can because it's you. Because it's your race. I don't have to compete against you. I only have to compete against me. I only have to be better than what I was yesterday. I don't have to be better than you. You don't have to be worse than me. All I have to do is just allow the roots to go down. And that's hard. But it is necessary. It's what God's calling us to do. Is why are you saying this? Because God wants to do something significant. But we got to get ready. Can you say amen? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you, God, for the revelation that you've given us. And Father, we magnify you today. Lord, we ask right now, and I pray for everyone that's seated in this room, God, that that you would touch them, minister to them. Father, that you would help them in this process. Father, that you would encourage them. 
Lord, bring us back safely next week. And Father, we, we just glorify your name in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.